This is the new way we work from Fast Company Magazine, where we take listeners on a journey through the changing landscape of our work lives and explain exactly what we need to build the future we want. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kathleen Davis. We started this season off by talking about the continuing debates over return to office, hybrid work schedules, and remote work. And we heard from many folks who had gripes about office life that are all too familiar. The sad salad at your desk, the sweet green. We have this outpost where they just deliver it straight to our office. So you don't even get your little mental health block. It just comes straight to the office and then you eat at your desk. There's so many things about office life that really have nothing to do with the work that you're being paid to do. I'm not really interested. There are coworkers that I don't necessarily have to work with, but yet I'm somehow subjected to. And I find that sometimes like office work, it's not always optimized for the type of work you're doing. Along with some office stands who appreciate the modern workplace because of the focus it can provide. It was just so peaceful and quiet. And I just think of like rubbing the desk. Oh, like it's just so nice and calm in here. Just this like gray desk. You know, when you when somebody's like, go to your like happy place. Think of that desk. Earlier this season, I also spoke to future of work consultant Gleb Sapersky about what works and what doesn't in getting people back to the office. You need to get on the same page about really what is the office for. So I talked about the best things to do in the office. Collaboration, socializing, mentoring, team bonding. So you want to get on the same page about these sorts of things. What are the shared collaboration expectations, communication expectations? How do we collaborate? Why should we come to the office? Before relocating in 2020, I spent well over 15 years working in all kinds of offices. I've worked in the horribly lit, soul-crushing cubicle farms, the early 2000s, 2010 startup offices with exposed brick and one long table where the CEO sits amongst the employees, and in several quote-unquote glamorous New York City publishing offices with sweeping skyline views where the desk setup and amenities were somewhere in between those other two. There's definitely pros and cons to the modern office and the way we think about it now, and so much of it depends on the physical space you're in. We've reported on the history of office design in the past, and we'll link to an article in the show notes that Lydia Dishman wrote about a really comprehensive history of office design. And in fact, the cubicles as we know them actually started way back with medieval monks. But throughout the last several hundred years, there's kind of two phases of the modern office that we're probably all most familiar with, The one of which started around the 1960s, which was the kind of cubicle for the workers and the corner office for the C-suite and then evolved from there was the kind of startup culture of the early 2000s and 2010s, which were much more quote unquote fun, bright offices with ping pong tables, amenities like free foods and drinks that tried to keep people in the office for longer. And now post-pandemic, we're obviously entering an entirely new phase in the evolution of office design. And we're going to really dive deep into that today. Co-design writer Nate Berg has been working on a series for the winter issue of Fast Company about what the office of the future will look like, along with some hypothetical dream offices that we had design firms create. He's joining me today to talk about what some of these offices of the future may look like and what it means for the future of work. Hi, Nate. Hello. 
Thanks for being here. So to kick things off, we were just saying it's a little ironic that the two of us are talking about this as we are both fully remote. We kind of don't have skin in the game of of what the office of the future looks like. But we've been to offices before. We've worked in offices before. I certainly have opinions on what I've liked and disliked about the offices I've worked in. Nate, how do you feel? What have you liked or disliked or wished you kind of had in offices that you've either worked in in the past or visited? I remember working in an office many years ago, kind of a small one. And the big thing that always annoyed me and everyone there was everyone else's noise. And this is like one of the most common complaints, like noise, it's noisy, too many people are talking, there's so much chatter or so much phone conversation. These issues come up perennially. It's always a concern for people. And it has almost gotten worse nowadays because of the proliferation of video calls and how many calls you're doing that could have been a, a two-minute meeting in, in a hallway or a conference room that, that's now a 30-minute Zoom conversation with speakers blaring everywhere. Yeah, that is a hundred. I'm like nodding so vigorously. That is a hundred percent the biggest complaint. It's even worse now because, and this is a, a big gripe I think that a lot of employees have when they are forced to come back to the office is that they're still on a bunch of Zoom calls. So you're making somebody commute in and then they're trying to tune out everything that's around them. And it's kind of the opposite of the reason why you're supposed to be in a workplace, which is to collaborate. You're still trying to like find a a quiet zone. So yeah, I think in lack of privacy, you know, lack of quiet are big complaints. I did like free seltzer that we had in the Fast Company offices and the views were really good. There's some lingering prestige of like working and publishing in New York City that, you know, having this like beautiful office and kind of getting to be in that space. Yeah. So we reached out to to some top firms in, in the architecture world and firms that have a lot of experience designing offices, you know, from like a mega firm like Gensler to smaller firms like SoIl and Spaces Of. And so they have proposed five themed office environments. A lot of things that come up in these concepts as they are thinking about different ways offices can work is how you design around the sort of new ways that offices are going to have to work, where you can no longer rely on, it's just a kind of Monday through Friday, nine to five space, pretty much everyone goes there to do work and then they leave. Like those days certainly are not the status quo that they used to be. Some of the designs are looking at what does it mean to be a a hybrid office? What does it mean to be an office where people are fully remote and there is no main headquarters? How do you design a new kind of suburban office park environment that is out in the burbs location, but meets people's needs in in a more contemporary way? And the sort of overarching theme that shows up is flexibility and designing spaces that can be used in different ways by different people, different times of the day, night, whatever. And that goes from rooms for working out in the middle of the day or having plants all over the place to to sort of give you a nature break when you need it, even down to is your desk able to move across the hall when you need it or can this room size down for a two-person meeting or size up for a six-person one? Would you say that the kind of defining trend in office design in 2024 or 2023 is flexibility? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the main thing. I mean, people may be hoping for a quieter environment or one that sort of allows them to 
to sort of work at their own kind of pace. But the physical flexibility seems to be such an important factor in, in enabling people to do their work today. And just because like not everything is go and sit at your desk for eight hours and, and get your work done. Like there are just so many different demands on how people do their work. I mean, you and I were in meetings all day. I'm on, I'm interviewing people all the time. So doing that at a desk surrounded by other people doing that at a desk is not, it's just not realistic. And other people work in industries that are very similar where you can't just be totally focused on, on doing your work when everyone around you is, is sort of filling the void with even more background noise. So yeah, having the, the physical flexibility to, to work differently is, I think, huge and, and not really going away. Is there a piece of office design that is now totally outdated, that will not come back, that you definitely did not see in any of these five new designs? I don't know. That's hard. That's hard. Because I think there are elements of offices that are sort of underutilized now. We've been talking to companies that have sensors that they can put in your office and not track individuals, but get a sense for where people are, where where they're going during the day, how they're using spaces you know, all anonymized, uh, et cetera. Some of those include being next to a, a busy walkway or having a workstation that's right across from the door to the bathroom. Like no one wants to sit there. Surprise, surprise. But their data is showing that like the spaces that are most popular are these small meeting rooms, you know, two, four people and the huge conference rooms that you would think of for, oh, we're going to have our quarterly meeting or we're going to have the whole staff come in, 12 people, 40 people, whatever. These spaces just are not being used. And when they are, they're being used by two people because it's just two people need to have a meeting and that's the space that's open. So I think the need for big collaborative like meeting rooms isn't going to totally go away. But I think those types of uses are going to more commonly be be conducted in other parts of the building that can kind of serve multiple roles at different times instead of just being a dedicated, like, here's our 24-person boardroom with our impressive-looking table. Yeah, that does seem like kind of a, a relic of the past. I would like to call, hopefully it's a relic of the past, the startup trend. Remember where it's like everybody sat on one desk and it was like, look, this you sit next to the CEO and like everybody's together and you have absolutely no personal space and you're just at this like big long table. I hope that's done. I've seen it recently and it looks very uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, beautiful building, but like the day-to-day lived experience of having to sit at this desk, you know, in this cacophony, it's a little oppressive. Yeah. Hopefully the ping pong table's gone too. That seems like such a relic of like forced mandated fun of like early startup culture of like exactly what you were talking about of the like too much noise and too much stimulation and like, oh, Sure, that looks so quote unquote fun. Although, like, what if you actually need to do your job? Yeah, I'm a fan of ping pong, but, <laughs> but yeah, not. let's like keep keep it in the basement or keep it in the park. Like, there are yeah. plenty of places you can go to have fun and play ping pong um, that don't have to overlap with the the less than fun part of your your work day. So we had five architecture firms kind of reimagine the office for five different kind of scenarios being the full-time office, the true hybrid office, the fully remote office, the suburban office, and an office designed for Gen Z. The one that I kind of feel is most realistic as we've been talking about hybrid work, the truly hybrid office. What does that one look like? 
Yeah, so this was designed for us by a firm called NBBJ, and they're a, a really big office design firm. I mean, they do a lot of stuff, but they do a lot of offices all over the world and are really thoughtful about these kinds of issues. So their proposal is a, a really kind of diverse mix of spaces that includes you know rooms that are more reminiscent of lounges or, or living rooms or cafes where you could sit around the kitchen table for an informal meeting. They have a variety of little sort of alcoves and nooks that they've developed that kind of serve the role of, of either more quiet work or small collaboration. They have a bunch of little pod type areas where you can kind of duck out and get away from everyone. Their approach is like really kind of open in the sense that there's not like the quiet work zone is over here and the individual workstations are over here. Everything is kind of blurred together in a sense. And you can kind of turn a corner and find a quiet place or turn the other way. And there's a room for four people. You kind of have the different kind of spaces at your fingertips based on what you need at any moment of the day, which I think a lot of people are coming to realize like throughout any given day, they, they need different types of spaces to do different types of work. It sounds very utopian, <laughs> like a very like this is how things are supposed to be function in in a hybrid work situation, because if you're going in in a hybrid situation, you're hopefully going in to collaborate with people. Probably you're going to collaborate with a smaller team. So those kind of flexible, smaller spaces do make a lot of sense. But chances are, as you point out, you're probably going to still end up on some Zoom calls. In our offices, we are a hybrid office, but there are folks like us who are fully remote. And so you do need those quiet spaces. The other thing that that description made me think of is the lounge kind of area, making the office feel more like home and feel more like comfortable and make it feel more like your living room. The next one, the fully remote office, it had me scratching my head when I first saw it because of like, if you're fully remote, why do you need an office? So this is a really interesting concept from a firm called So Ill, and they essentially designed a type of building that can be an office mostly, but can also be a kind of living space. It's in the, the sort of like nomadic van life cabin flavor of building design. And I think their thinking here is that like, if you don't have to be tethered to an office or, or a place, like why not roam essentially and but also have a, a physical space that you can get your work done in that doesn't just feel like you're flopping your work into your couch or your living room or your kitchen space. So they've designed this really interesting cabin it's very soft wood and really nice lighting and it just seems like you you've stepped into a spa environment somehow but then there's still the desk space and the big screen and like your work is still there um, in a very sort of non-spa like reality but the surroundings are certainly geared towards making it feel like you have stepped away from the world a little bit. And I think if their idea were to, to sort of be fully realized, these little cabins would be kind of plopped out off the grid in remote areas. And you could sort of check into one for a month and, and be out in the wilds of Utah or whatever doing your remote work and then pop out and check into one in Tokyo. 
at first I was like, what is the point of a, a remote office? And now you have made it sound very, also very utopian. You're making this person that who is so happy. I'm so happy to work from my home. Go like, oh, that does sound nice. I do want to go to that uh, hybrid office. I do want to go to these cabins. So these are called gig houses. And the whole idea was that there was a group of friends that were working at Google that were completely nomadic and they were like working in airstreams and like driving around the country. And so this is a very different lifestyle, I think, than maybe, you know, a lot of uh, people's working lifestyles are. But there, this was a, a trend pre-pandemic and even bigger during the pandemic of like these digital nomads. We've covered companies that are completely remote that have employees around the world. And so the idea is that your company would set up these idyllic little cozy cabins in different places and the employees could go work there for a certain amount of time, kind of like in work-focused Airbnb and then go and, and check into kind of a different one. Is that how it works? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's a really appealing concept for a certain type of person. <laughs> you could <laughs> say like if you have less familial responsibilities sort of keeping you tethered yeah. to one place, um, probably more realistic for a younger person to do this type of thing or, you know, not, not necessarily a younger person. I mean, if you have the flexibility to pick up and go, this is certainly a, an appealing way to do it while also sort of still being a, a worker be and going to the office every day. Oh, that's really interesting. All right. I feel like let's come back down to reality maybe a little bit more and talk about the suburban office. I think that was one that another one when hearing this, it's like, well, what's the difference about the suburbs versus an office in the suburbs versus an office in a city? Yeah. So, I mean, there are, are a ton of offices in the suburbs and a lot of people live this life of the suburban 20 minute commute out to some greenfield and park in a parking lot and walk to the building and then leave at night. What the, the firm that designed this concept, they're called Studio O plus A, and they have sort of come up with a way to refresh these suburban campuses and counteract the kind of sprawl that they really represent by bringing a lot more of a kind of traditional town square feel to them. And some of that includes just making it not just a bunch of office buildings, bringing in a park-like setting around it, bringing in retail, bringing in the childcare bit that we talked about earlier, making it possible for someone to go to work and get their laundry done, do their banking, do their doctor's visit, or get the kind of preventative healthcare, do the, the wellness element, however, however they're thinking about it, and you know, do all these things in the same place get your groceries after work without sort of walking more than a hundred feet. And so I think some of this is to try to centralize some of the things that have been typically spread out in the suburbs. And I don't think anyone is going to sort of make the suburbs obsolete anytime soon. So if people are going to continue to work in these suburban office parks, this proposal is trying to sort of offer a way for them to be less of a, a an inconvenience and more kind of woven into the the rhythms of of someone's daily life. That's so true, and I have experienced both kind of working lives. I've obviously worked in an in office in a city before, and I you know I spent a short time working in one of these kind of suburban office parks, and they are I hate to say it, but they are kind of soulless. They are like a big boring looking building with a parking lot around it. And if you want to do any of those things that you mentioned, you know, when you work in the city, at least you can 
take a lunch break and walk a few blocks, hopefully to do some of these things in that suburban sprawl sort of situation. You do have to get in your car if you just want to get lunch. I mean, there's nothing around there. That is probably for a lot of people an even harder sell to get people back to the office when there's literally nothing to lure you. I mean, you can make the office as like fun and colorful as you want, I feel like, but if there's nothing around there that makes you want to linger or be there. It's just kind of a a bigger inconvenience than, yeah, this sounds, you know, again, like a lovely place to be and a place that you maybe would build some other businesses and vitality around and could help like really stimulate an economy of a, of a place too, because you see so much of this sprawl and, and a lot of these places go out of business and, you know, you shop online and it does kind of feel like a more of an actual place. (laughs) Yeah. A place you want to actually be. (laughs) A place you want to actually be. Well, let's go to the other, the last one, which, which in, again, was a little bit of a head scratcher when I first saw it of like, it's the Gen Z office. And we're like, okay, do they get a different office than the rest of us? Uh, what, what does a Gen Z office look like? So this concept was designed by Gensler, which is probably the biggest architecture firm in the world. So they have zillions of projects all over the place and have been around forever and have the sort of bandwidth to think about these things and in a a broader context. And they here are not proposing to age segregate the office, but they are recognizing the demographic trends that are underway. And they are trying to design a space that sort of recognizes that most employees are Gen Z now. It's like 60% of employees are under the age of 30. That's more than half, you know, is the majority of workers. They're younger people and designing around not just like, okay, you're a younger person, let's let's meet your needs specifically, but thinking about like, what does this generation represent in terms of the way that our world thinks? So they're, they're looking at physical environments that people can dip into and dip out of throughout the day, kind of transitioning a little more seamlessly from doing focused work to having a kind of informal collaboration or meeting to doing the kind of wellness-focused things that some people are, are really sort of prizing these days. They have a specific space in their design that is like the, the wellness yoga room. I think the idea there is that this younger generation, or our friends in Gen Z, are less interested in, in sort of subdividing their lives and compartmentalizing everything. And I think a lot of us can, can find a lot more convenience in, in saying, okay, if I want to do all these things, in my day, like, why do I need to have them fit into only certain blocks of time? Why can't I carve out 30 minutes in my schedule in between two calls that are very traditional and use 30 minutes and and do yoga? Gen Z is, you know, I think 2024 is going to be the year they surpass baby boomers as the biggest generational cohort that's working. Really, I think when we talk about the Gen Z office, we're talking about kind of just the future of work too and like where work is going. But, but you know, two things that stood out to me in the Gensler design, which really speak to, I think, a lot of the things that we're reading and writing about Gen Z is kind of the open and not hierarchical structure of meeting rooms and that it's not so much like you're the CEO and you have your big corner office and and I'm a middle manager and I get a, this like slightly better space. But then also, and the thing that we've been covering a lot with Gen Z is a lot of them started their careers during the pandemic and they're missing out on those 
mentorship connections. And that was something that they highlighted in their design is kind of the opportunity for employees to make those connections and like seek out mentorship and have more opportunities within their physical environment to have that. Again, like the whole reason why you come to the office to to build those relationships. Yeah. So it's it's not the that kind of long picnic table where everyone's just sitting cheek to jowl, but it is a little more like unassigned and you can feel like you can be in a, a meeting room in this design and there is kind of no head of the room in a sense. Whoever's speaking is the head of the room. And that sort of touches on a lot of the ways that people are thinking differently about whose voice should sort of be heard in a company and when. Um, and I know um, younger people definitely don't feel like they want to just sit back and let the older people sort of run the show exclusively. Another thing that they highlighted that I think does speak to Gen Z and increasingly just is important to a lot of employees is the sustainability in workplace design and kind of like connection. We've talked about this a little, a little bit of like the connection to nature. I think they, they mentioned having like a living wall. We've, that's come up a couple of times too, of having plants. I mean, that's another benefit to working remotely and working from home is right now I'm looking out a window to my backyard. I have my plants. Like I feel I have more natural light. That's something that I think a lot of people disliked about working in offices. And I see this throughout several of these designs to kind of bring the natural world, bring light, bring plants into the office design as well. Yeah. And I think that's just one of the side effects of the pandemic is people suddenly are realizing like, oh, um, fresh air is actually quite nice. And the natural world is kind of a healing part of my existence. So yeah, having those things available is a very simple concept, but yeah, offices have been pretty far behind in actually providing that. And another element of the Gensler Gen Z office design is this kind of move away from the traditional presentation space and kind of conference room. And, and they've designed a, a kind of interesting alternative to that, which is a sort of it's like a round, rounded space. It's got a sort of semicircular bench seating sort of audience area and then a curved screen that kind of wraps the room. And they have kind of designed this in a way where the presenter can be sort of anywhere and the focus of the audience can be anywhere. And I think this sort of hints at this idea of getting away from the kind of traditional big boss at the end of the table making the presentation and everyone else sitting silently and watching that sort of circular space kind of feels a little more open to anyone being able to to sort of chime in as opposed to relying on only one person being the the focal point and and even the traditional sort of presentation space like a powerpoint slide deck being shown on, on one screen if it wraps around the room, there is something to look at, but it's not directly tied to one person or, or one vantage point. And, you know, maybe there's some metaphor in there about having a, a more diverse view of the world, I guess, or, or how a company can do its work. Yeah, it certainly speaks to trends that we're seeing in more flat management structures and just more equality, inclusivity in meeting styles and, and management and kind of, again, the direction that helped a lot by Gen Z, the future of work is kind of moving towards. Well, I will say after, you know, hearing about these 
five different office types. I think I used the word utopia a few times for somebody who is very happy working remotely. This did give me a little office envy. I will say, you know, and I've said it before, the only times that I have FOMO about not being in the office anymore are the collaboration times and the times that everybody gathers. But a lot of these offices, you know, they have elements. I think the ones that that spoke to me the most are those flexible workspaces. You know, I saw that theme of having everything you need close by, beautiful, nice spaces, the cabins sound, you know, in another life, I might have been a digital nomad that would travel to one of those cabins. Your job's really about the people that you work with. And that's the reason why you go into an office. And so for the two of us, we live very far from Fast Company's offices. We actually are under doing an office redesign right now. I can't wait to visit it when I visit New York, but I don't know that there's anything that could lure me back to the city. It's quite far. But yeah, if one of these offices wanted to get on an Airstream and drive close to me, I would certainly go for it. What, What of these office designs really spoke to you? Yeah, it's hard not to be sort of sucked into that nomad office dream. I could even just imagine like an overnight in one of these places as I just get some focused work done and not have any other distractions or any of the realities of my life shaping how I use my time in a, in a little less flexible way. It's hard to not be lured into that type of thing. But I think there are so many parts of these designs that really just touch on that kind of desire I have, and I think a lot of other people have, which is to to sort of make doing your work not such a huge chunk of your life and huge separation from the sort of quote-unquote living of your life, bringing things closer to you, bringing the services and, and sort of amenities and things you need on a day-to-day basis, like closer into proximity, even closer into the building is is a really appealing concept. And, you know, I know our in the U.S. is not really designed that way most of the time, but um, it is sort of heartening to see that there is this kind of level of thinking around offices, which are obviously in, in a really interesting reinvention period and really hoping some of these ideas can sort of start to take hold and then trickle out into the rest of our world and give people a little more sense of, not just needing to sort of call an office an office and call your home your home, but blurring of lines that kind of, I think, offers a little more freedom. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it and kind of puts a nice bow on it. Really is the kind of evolution of the office is the blending of life and work together in a in a way that is sustainable and, and helpful to people as opposed to just work taking over your life. I mean, life and work blurred together so much during the pandemic and in order to make work more human, integrating your life into it in a thoughtful way like these designs have makes a lot of sense. Nate, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. And if you liked this episode, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And we want to hear from you. What would your dream office look like? Email us at podcast at fastcompany.com or share on social with the hashtag The New Way We Work. The New Way We Work is produced by Joshua Christensen and Julia Shu with editing by Nicholas Torres. 